Hi, this is Karin Zissis of ASCOA Online. In this episode, we'll be listening to a conversation about Uruguay between my colleague Luisa Lemmy and Arturo Porzikansky, distinguished economist in residence at American University in Washington, D.C. Prior to becoming a professor, he had a long career as an international economist on Wall Street. Uruguay holds elections on October 27th, and it's got some of the ingredients we've seen in recent Latin American presidential votes weakening approval for the party in power, voters looking for something new, and a right-wing candidate who Professor Porzakansky dubs Bolsonaro Jr. This might not be an election, though, where we see the same kind of historic shift we saw 15 years ago. At that time, the Frente Amplio broke more than a century of control by the Colorado and National, or Blanco, parties. Still, Uruguayans appear to be itching for change. In this episode... Porzakansky not only tells us why, but what his country should have and could still do to become a Singapore-style success story. You're listening to Latin America in Focus. Latino America in Foco. America Latina in Foco. A podcast by America Society, Council of the Americas on politics, economics, and culture in the region. Professor Arturo Porsikansky, thank you so much for joining Latin America in Focus today. My pleasure. Professor, let's start with our uh, conversation about Uruguay presidential elections that are happening on October 27. These elections are being called historic elections by posters in Uruguay. What is, what is different about this 2019 vote in Uruguay? Well, I think it won't be as historic as the vote uh, 15 years ago when the traditional duopoly between the Colorado and national parties, which had dominated for a century and a half, was broken and the Frente Amplio uh, won for the first time. It won't be as historic as that. The question now, uh, it could be historic if, in fact, we go back to the Colorado and Blanco party in rule and the 15 years experiment with the Frente Amplio uh, passes on. That will be the most earth-shaking aspect of it if the Frente Amplio were not to win a fourth mandate. So we're talking about three main parties, uh, Frente Amplio, the broad front, who has been, you know, for the people who are not very familiar with internal politics in Uruguay, is Jose Mujica uh, party that has been in power for 15 years. And then you have the opposition. uh, There are two other parties that are competing for a a spot on the runoff, uh, the Colorado party and the national party. And these parties, these three parties are considered, if you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, the status quo of politics in Uruguay today. Even though the Frente Amplio uh, is in power for 15 years, uh, one interesting thing is that those three parties that we're talking about, they are considered pretty moderate. We do have a four new candidate uh, that has joined the race this year. Uh, that is considered to be a little bit more radical, but the main candidates, those three top candidates, are pretty moderate. What are the real differences between them, Professor? 
Yes, while the three leading parties are pretty moderate and their standard bearers reflect that, um, it would be uh, quite, a, uh, quite a newsworthy by Uruguayan standards if the, the Frente Amplio, which uh, has been in office for the past 15 years, were to lose ground and we would have uh, one of the other uh, conventional parties return to power after a long absence. Uh, this would be the, the most uh, newsworthy outcome. And uh, even though uh, the leading parties are not very radical, either in the left or the right, it would be a change because uh, the, uh, the Frente Amplio uh, really has taken the country in a more leftward uh, direction. The welfare state has been expanded. Uh, it's been a very pro-labor union as opposed to pro-business uh, uh, party. So if the Blanco party or the Blanco party in coalition with the other smaller parties were to win, we likely would move the needle more towards the center at the very least, if not the center right. Okay, and that would result in different type of policies uh, in what areas, you think? Well, as I mentioned, probably uh, it would be less friendly to labor unions. They might not be confrontational to labor unions, but it would be um, uh, more, uh, uh, more pro-business than pro-labor. As it is already, the labor unions are making a lot of noise and um, making their presence felt. They are backing the Frente Amplio, of course, uh, uh, rather than the others. And they're reminding the population that if the Frente Amplio were not to win, probably the labor unions would uh, be agitating much more uh, in, the, uh, in the new year. Uh, and uh, in terms of uh, fiscal policy, namely the handling of public finances, probably we would see a more conservative outcome if the Blanco or Colorado parties were to come into office as opposed to the Frente Amplio. The Frente Amplio has had, has been increasing taxes and has been increases government spending uh, during the past 15 years and uh, has been running budget deficits when commodity prices were high, as well as now that commodity prices are not very high. So if we were to get a, uh, Blanco Colorado type uh, coalition in office, we would expect that uh, taxes and government spending probably would be cut back. Okay. Um, and, you know, the polls now are saying that, that the case here it looks pretty much like Frente Amplio is going to go to the runoff. Uh, Daniel Martinez, the Frente Amplio's candidate, has about 40% of voter intention. Um, ASOA Online has a, a different poll tracker on our website for people to check the numbers in more detail. And um, polls in Latin America in the last, let's say, 10 years have gotten right sometimes, but have gotten wrong many times. Uruguayan pollsters in 2014 apparently nailed the, the the hit the nail on the head they they got it right until even to the percentage point how do you evaluate their methodology uh today professor because 
there were a lot of surprises in the last election cycle in the Americas in the last years, right? The last couple of years, we've seen fake news, different movements on social media, the the surgeons, the the appearance of different outsiders that were not mad, that were not part of the political status quo, and a big disillusionment uh, from uh, voters uh, uh, regarding the democratic system themselves. Do you think posters in Uruguay have a methodology that they're able to pick up those trends? If we Can we have a big surprise this year? So, of course, uh, the posters could get it wrong, but uh, I... I think that the reason why pollsters, whether in the United States or in Argentina or in Brazil, have gotten things wrong is because the people they uh, ask have not been truthful. Uh, you know, there were a lot of uh, closet supporters of, of, of Donald Trump or of Jair Bolsonaro or of uh, the Kirchners in, in, in Argentina. So uh, I think that's the problem. And in the case of Uruguay, I think think we don't have that problem of the people being told not telling the truth. And one indicator of that is that the fourth candidate, uh, there is a party called Cabildo Abierto, and it's a former general, Manini Rios, who's uh, running for office. And he is considered some kind of Bolsonaro equivalent uh, for Uruguay. He's definitely right wing. He has been gaining in the polls. In fact, he's coming very close to the Colorado uh, party's numbers. Uh, and that tells me that uh, people are willing to say, yes, we support an extreme right candidate. And whereas if he was uh, lying very low in the polls, and meantime, people had this uh, attraction to him and he wasn't showing up in the polls, then I would be more worried that we could get a, a surprise result. So in some The Frente Amplio is running 10 percentage points behind where they were at this point five years ago. And that means that it's very likely that uh, they will not surpass the hurdle of 50% plus one vote. It's much more likely that they're going to get a result in the 40s. And that means that there will be a second round. And you believe there is chance for Manini Rios, the candidate that we talked about that the Uruguayan press calls the Bolsonaro effect, uh, the former general, to be in a runoff? Do you think he has chances? No, not to be in a runoff, but uh, I think he has a chance to be invited at the table of a potential coalition being formed by the Blancos and the Colorados with him after uh, the first round, if there is a need to show a Uh, a, 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 a broad front of the center right to win in the second round. And as I say, the fact that he has been openly, if you will, in the polls, getting more and more support, it tells me that people are willing to go on the record with that uh, anti-establishment dissident vote rather than hiding it from the pollsters. So that's why I think actually the polls probably are will, will be good Uh, in terms of their forecast. Yeah, that, that's very interesting because one other thing that I saw that the the pollsters from um, 
from Factum were pointing it out, uh, is that this is also a different type of elections that might change things in the democratic system in Uruguay from now on, because uh, no party uh, that is running for elections right now will have majority uh, in Congress. And that's a very different situation for the the leading candidate, Daniel Martinez, or if they win, if they continue in power, uh, that would be a very different situation. He's going to have to negotiate more. Uh, how do you think this is going to change uh, Uruguayan politics and, and the democratic system? Well, yes, the the incumbent party, the Frente Amplio, has been able to move the needle from the center to the left because it held not only the executive branch, but it had majorities in both houses of Congress. So uh, now, as you say, it looks like uh, not only the Frente Amplio might not win the ultimate test for the executive branch, but also it's very likely that it will lose its majorities in both chambers. That means that uh, an electoral outcome will likely, you know, move the middle more towards the center at the very least, because if a coalition of the Blancos, Colorados, with or without uh, Manini Rios uh, wins the second round, uh, then they will have to vote as a block in Congress in order to get things passed. And that just means that there's going to be a process of compromising that has not has not been has not been present in recent years. And this 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 process of compromising and negotiation and coalition building, uh, do do you believe that uh, Uruguayan policies will become more moderate as a result, uh, even to the left or to the right, uh, whatever proposals that candidates might have now, do you think they will be likely diluted? Do you think it will be easy to live in this environment of constant negotiation with Congress? So first of all, uh, I think that uh, no matter what outcome, the needle is moving closer to the center. Even if the uh, center-left Frente Amplio were to eke out a victory, uh, as I say, it, it will have less representation in Congress and will have to negotiate with the center and center-right parties. And if the center-center-right parties were to be the ultimate winners, likewise, they will have to negotiate at the very least among themselves, if not with the Frente Amplio. So I think that... Uh, the drift towards the left will stop, no matter what. And the question is, uh, how much uh, could the, the needle move towards the right uh, with, with the after the elections? And definitely, uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that the needle will be able to move and that uh, the need for consensus will lead to better policies. Because during the past 15 years, We've had a party that has been very strong and has been able to take a lot of initiatives. And now, at the very least, we're going to have a party that won't be as, as powerful. And I think Uruguay needs some reassessment because many of the decisions that were passed by Congress or taken by the executive branch, I think they need to be revisited. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the issues and the challenges for whoever comes next. 
there is also one thing in the polls that called my attention that that brings us back to the problems that uh, the support for the Frente Amplio is much stronger in Montevideo. Daniel Martinez was the mayor of the city, but there is much more support for the opposition for La Calle Po uh, in the countryside in Uruguay. Uh, so there's a regional difference here. What do you think that the Frente Amplio, it's not quite getting? They are having less support than in 2014. What do you think that they do not understand about voters' uh, needs right now? Yes, I think they've lost ground uh, because uh, uh, they, they're not dealing effectively with some of the issues that bother the electorate. The first thing is crime. There is literally a crime wave by Uruguayan standards. Uh, this is a place where even today, you know, kidnapping is extremely rare. But whether it's uh, murder or, or robberies or uh, other crimes, it, there's been a wave of crime uh, in, in recent years. And so that uh, uh, is, is having a lot of uh, voters looking for alternatives. And that's why, of course, the rise of uh, Manini Rios and Cabildo Abierto on the, on the right because he is a law and order candidate. And uh, the fact that he's gone from nowhere to almost 20%, uh, it means that uh, law and order is resonating uh, very much with the electorate. Uh, another issue is um, uh, uh, just uh, being tired of, 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 of the same uh, cast of characters. Uh, during the past uh, 15 years, we've had twice the same president, and once, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the folks, folksy um, other, uh, other president. And uh, in general, I think people are looking for some change. They're itching for some change. And so maybe nobody, uh, no matter who had been in power the last 15 years, I think uh, people now uh, are looking for a change and they're looking for a change outside of, of the Frente Amplio. Uh, and then there is a, a general malaise about the, the economy. The, the economy uh, had very good growth, much better than its neighbors, Argentina and Brazil, uh, in the past uh, a dozen or so years. But the economy has flattened. It's at the edge of a recession. Uh, commodity prices uh, have come down from their highs now for several years. And also there's a lot of trade, tourism, and investment that comes from Argentina and Brazil, and both countries have been mostly in recession. So the economy is not doing badly, there is no crisis, but it's run out of gas. And so people are looking for new ideas on how to get the economic engine restarted. Right. Um... You, you talked about how the previous years, you know, the government had more difficult in keeping a fiscal balance uh, for the economy in Uruguay. And that, uh, let's say, because it's a more left-leaning government, there, were more, there was more government spending and less uh, incentives to the private sector. Right. Uruguay, all in all, managed to avoid a recession in the last years. This recession that you're talking about uh, that has been hitting all different Latin American countries, uh, their, its neighbors. Uh, what do you what would you say that needs to happen for the next government on the economy? 
Yes, well, so I think that, uh, as I mentioned uh, before, uh, the, the needle has to move in terms of government policies and attitudes towards the labor unions versus business. Uh, the business climate has become very unfriendly uh, for new entrepreneurs and, uh, and uh, meantime, very friendly to, to the labor unions. For example, whatever raise you get, you get because it's being decided at a very high level uh, between the government, uh, business, and labor organizations, and it has nothing to do with the profitability or lack thereof of your own company. So this divorce between economic reality and uh, what's happening at the business level is hurting the country and is hurting the business community and discouraging investment. Uh, so I think that uh, something has to change, and uh, and uh, unless commodity prices were to boom again, when in fact the risk is on the contrary, that with the world economy slowing down, commodity prices will go further down. Uh, I think uh, there has to be some belt tightening in the government, and there has to be a better climate for uh, the business uh, community uh, in order to to for the, for the country to move forward professor persikansky you see what's happening now in brazil with the the you know economic growth it's very slow uh, the country's all barely recovering from its recession and in argentina uh, there is also an election happening and it's a big question mark on what it's going to happen in terms of economic policy with that country those are huge economies neighboring Uruguay. Uh, what do you see as uh, the main effects of these two economies on Uruguay's economy right now? Uh, if if uh, the next president is up and the next president calls you asking for advice and saying, oh, what should I do about those two economies? What would you say? Well, uh you're allowing me to dream an impossible <laughs> dream. But uh, really, uh, Uruguay was meant to be uh, a free trade area and, uh, and could have become what Singapore and Hong Kong became for Asia. In other words, it could have been a major uh, shipment and transshipment point. It could have become a duty-free area. And uh, that would have been the best. Uh, uh, for, for, for the economy and its people. So if we were to get a, a change in government where we would have this center-right coalition uh, coming to power, I hope that they will consider leaving the Mercosur and breaking open and uh, having uh, trade deals with European countries, with uh, the U.S., uh, with, uh, with China and others that they have not been able to have because of the protectionist attitudes in Argentina and in Brazil uh, during the past several decades. So that's a big ask, uh, a new attitude towards foreign trade, uh, but um, why not? Uh, that would be one of the things that could be done. It, um, it may be very difficult. Uh, there's still too much mistaken support for the idea of Mercosur in Uruguay. But as I say, at least the, the needle could be moved in business labor relations and also in government spending and taxation. Those are realistically the areas where we could see a change for the better in the coming five years. And, and this 
crime rising is it is this something to be worried about when you think about boosting businesses and the economy uh i don't think that the rising street crime has uh, discouraged uh, investment in uruguay as i say there have been no uh, you know it's 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 good for uruguay that it hasn't been in the newspapers as a place where uh high profile individuals have been say kidnapped or murdered it's mostly uh, ordinary street crime and a lot of it also involves um, uh, drugs and drug cartels and uh in the using uruguay as a transshipment point and uh so sometimes the, the victims are you know the, the drug dealers themselves but but it's a problem for the for the voters and the average person because you can of course be caught in a shootout in the wrong place at the wrong time so definitely something has to be done about crime all candidates have proposals about what to do about crime changing the laws changing the practice changing attitudes uh and um i think that the the most uh, uh, the most radical of the proposals obviously come from outside the frente amplio uh, and uh, even if we had a coalition of of the blanco colorado with or without the bolsonaro jr uh, 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 being present i think we would get measures tougher measures on on crime uh, than we would with a with a fourth uh, frente amplio victory and and uruguayans are have have referendums during elections have been able to change laws and participate on this democratic process more often than other countries in latin america right yes though uh, i don't see that as the main uh, venue for for change i think that uh in general change happens through the legislative process and the, the executive branch rather than through extraordinary events uh, via referendum uh, so i i think we need to keep our eyes fixed on on the election outcome and how it will or will not uh, change the legislature and the executive branch because those two bodies are uh, likely to be the engines of change if we're going to have them. That's great. You talked about uh, Mercosur before and how in your eye, in your view, Uruguay could leave Mercosur. Um, how is Mercosur uh, deal, possible deal with the European Union could change that scenario? Uh, can you can Mercosur uh, stop holding back Uruguay? Is it holding back the country? So I think that Mercosur, yes, has been uh, bad news for Paraguay and Uruguay, its, its smaller members. And the two beneficiaries have been mostly Argentina and Brazil. So I think that for Paraguay and for Uruguay, and also because of their traditions as freer trade areas, it would be best for both of them, and not just for Uruguay, to, to leave the Mercosur. Uh, yes, there is a tentative deal with Europe on the table. It's very long term. Uh, the, the the concessions made by both parties enter into effect over a period of many years. So I think even if it were to be ratified, which is a big if, because if the uh, if we get um, uh, a, um, a Peronist victory in Argentina, uh, I don't think that they are going to ratify the 
the deal with the EU that uh, under Macri was achieved. So right there and then, you know, this could all end very quickly. Right. I was I was about to I was about to ask you how Argentina's outcome can affect Uruguay. So that's one right. way. It can, it can affect it in several ways, but one of them is that one that that even the opening up to Europe could you know be stillborn. But as I say, I think that they, if Uruguay and Paraguay were to leave Mercosur all together and do their own deals, uh, they would do much better than waiting for a consensus to emerge from Brazil or Argentina or waiting for this deal with um, uh, with the Europe, which is phased in very gradually over many years uh, to, to come to fruition. We're talking about all these different policies that, uh, you know, governments, the candidates are suggesting policies for um, fighting crime. Uh, they will have different approaches towards the economy, like you said, and they are above all, let's say, more moderate than what we have seen rising in Latin America in other countries, uh, right? So even though we do call Manini Rios uh, the Bolsonaro effect, or as you said, Bolsonaro Jr., <laughs> um, we, we don't have a, a the same type of uh, views being pushed forward, uh, like conservative views on social policy or uh, very radical changes. Why is that? Well, historically, I, I think Uruguay has been a more, you know, consensus-driven society, thank goodness. I mean, that has meant that policies have not uh, changed when they should have changed. Uh, but it also has meant that the crazy proposals, uh, either from the left or the right, uh, never saw the light of day. So uh, whether it's uh, with regard to social policy or economic policies or uh, other aspects, uh, Uruguay has been relatively a stable environment compared to the wild experimentation we have seen say, in Argentina or Chile or Peru or Brazil, never mind Venezuela. It's more like Colombia, I would say, in terms of, uh, of a kind of middle-of-the-road proposals with some emphasis on, on the left and some emphasis on the right, uh, depending. And uh, also, historically, Uruguay has been, for instance, when it comes to social issues, uh, very per, very liberal, some would say very permissive. Uruguay was among the first countries to legalize divorce, to legalize abortion, to legalize prostitution. And, um, and so uh, at least these issues have not been uh, discussed uh, for decades, uh, have not been an issue. And of course, it was one of the first to legalize marijuana. Uh, and... Uh, that is still being discussed, uh, whether it's a good or a bad idea. But uh, that just goes to show you when, when it comes to, you know, personal freedoms, I think there's a deep-rooted tradition in Uruguay to, to honor and honor those personal freedoms. Uh, when it comes to economic or other proposals, uh, however, it's been more center-right or center-left. We have not seen... Uh, extremely liberal or extremely Marxist uh, positions uh, ever uh, come into office uh, uh, so far.
That's great. I really appreciate your time, Professor Prasansky, and I hope that we keep in touch and that we will perhaps talk again before a possible likely runoff on November 24 and uh, to see what's going to happen. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Karen Zissis. This episode was produced by Luisa Lemmy. The music in this podcast was recorded at America Society in New York City. Find out about upcoming concerts at musicoftheamericas.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Your reviews help us spread the word. So leave us five stars, write a comment, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Muchísimas gracias.